Good morning, good morning. You are listening to Triple H 100.1 FM and stay in the loop with Lucy. It is so lovely to have you with me this morning. This is a show that covers health and well-being through connection to people. People in our community and people beyond who share with us their experiences, their choices and consequences, and regardless of age, their innate wisdom. By discerning and getting a sense of what is transferable from what these guests share, we can choose to apply the relevant aspects in our lives and in our community and develop programs that found a more sustainable, loving and heartfelt way to be with each other, thereby improving our physical and our mental health. This week's show is going to be very much about mental health, but also touching on the consequences of it in physical health. Today's show is about self-esteem. Now, according to the dictionary, self-esteem is the confidence in one's own worth or abilities. The synonyms are self-respect, self-regard, self-confidence, self-assurance. Good self-esteem can lead to good choices and poor self-esteem can lead to bad choices. Too much self-esteem can lead to narcissism and too low self-esteem, well, that can lead to coping mechanisms as well as a fair few dysfunctional um, behaviours. Self-esteem comes from the inside. It calls on value. How much do we value ourselves and what we bring in our lives? Now, I was I was reading quite a lot about it and I and I stopped on one blog that talked about the magic of the universe and the reflection of the stars. Where would our night sky be without every one of the stars reflecting steadily back to us? What would the stars look like if they suddenly started worrying about what their neighbors neighboring stars thought of them and if they turned their light down so they didn't stand out or shine too brightly? doesn't bear thinking about does it for those of us who love the night sky let me introduce my two guests today without further ado i have alison coleman who works as an energy healer and counselor in the eastern suburbs welcome alison good morning lucy and will who is just about to sit his hsc welcome will Four days, Will. Four, yes, days. four days. Yes, four four days, and then I'm out of here. Well, not really out of not here. Not really. Come, I've come back for the HSC. I know. But, you know. It's that's just a minor, minor thing to add a, into a the minor time. inconvenience. Exactly, <laughs> little bit of HSC. So a big thank you both for taking uh, time out of your morning to come and join me in the studio. Um. We're going to take this bit by bit. I thought I might just throw out a few statistics, knowing, of course, all along that behind those statistics are, are people like you and me. And, we're, and uh, we're going to flesh out a lot of these. So 75% of girls suffering from low self-esteem are engaging in self-destructive behaviours, depression and even suicide. 75% of girls also believe they're not good enough or don't measure enough, up enough. Um, and, that, and that over 70% of, say, 15 to 17-year-olds avoid normal daily activities such as attending school when they feel bad or they don't feel that they look right. That's quite serious. When we look at boys... 38% of boys in middle school and high school reported using protein supplements and nearly 6% admitted to taking steroids. So although um, they're looking at what, at what they look like for boys, it's about bulking up, it isn't so much about losing weight. And 40% of the boys in middle school and high school regularly exercise with the primary goal of increased muscle mass. 
Girls with low self-esteem reported engaging in more negative activities such as cutting, bullying, smoking, drinking and disordered eating. And that compares to 25% of girls with high self-esteem. The girls with low self-esteem were four times more likely to take part in activities with boys that they ended up regretting later. Now, wow, yeah, I know. Hmm. What bit, about that bit one? Ridiculous, it really. I know, all for not feeling that you yeah. can be yourself, that you would go ahead and do things that you wouldn't necessarily want to do. Um, I have to say that I have. I personally have experienced that certainly through my teens and um, I know a number of people I was at school with where it was the same same scenario really. So what I'm hoping we're going to do is be incredibly practical in this episode. Uh, let's give some examples from our <laughs> own backgrounds, from our own experiences. I think that it's a very serious topic but we actually could make it quite a lot of fun. So I hear you ask, where do we get our self-esteem from? I know, right? I heard you ask it. It just popped in there. <laughs> Surely when we're born, there is no question of us, of us having good or bad self-esteem. It is completely innately within us. So I'm going to ask both of you. Let's start with Will. Will, what were you like as a little boy as a young toddler growing up like what was your self-esteem like well I know when I was very very young my parents constantly told me I was one of the most annoying and angry babies until I could move and do whatever I wanted to do ah. uh, which, I, which I found quite interesting but I, I think when I was a toddler I just it was this kind of this magical world where there wasn't really any you know what this is what you have to do and this is what society expects you to do it's just you can go around you can do whatever you want it, well mostly whatever you want you can't go and you know do very silly things that might get you injured because your parents will stop you doing that yes. but I, I think it was it's always fun when you're like a little toddler and you can go around and you just you just see this wonder in the in the world and you can see the wonder in toddlers eyes normally because mm. it's just they can do it's just a world to them there's no nothing bad going on there's nothing there's nothing particularly great going on. It's just a lovely little world in which they live in. They're real sensory beings, yeah, It's like a world they? within a world, I find. Yes, and loved yeah. just for peeing and pooing and, and vomiting. unconditionally loved <laughs> Absolutely, <as well>. totally <laughs> unconditional. Alison, what was it like for you growing up? Oh, as a little kid, I was quite cheeky and mischievous. Mm -hmm. There's a story that um, my parents told me that I just think sums it up completely that... Um, we had a group of um, kids, we had a bit of a gang on our street and that I think it was about, about the age of two or three. Sorry, just mind your hands on the yeah. table. <laughs> <laughs> At the age of about three, I, I went into the kitchen one day and took a, a big bottle of orange juice and got cups for all my, my buddies from my gang out in the street because I was very much a people person, loving yeah. being with, with my friends and... And my parents clocked me doing this and I got on my little trike and like pedaling down the driveway thinking I was getting away with it, that I was oh, going, going cool. and getting all this juice to my friends. <laughs> and it was beautiful that my parents just gave me the space to do that, like didn't come and get me in trouble and they just saw that, that that was just me like wanting to be with my friends, wanting to look out for people, but with that streak of mischievousness and and very much like Will, like the wonderment. Yeah, just just the ability to just have fun, you know, with 
with just the simple things in life. Like my, my parents, when I was young, said that I would always go out and just be in the garden, pick up little bugs and insects and just look at them and just like, whoa, what is this? What is this? Like, you know, running yeah. around to a guard the guard going, oh, what's this? Like, I think I might have got stung by a bee once because, you know, just getting a bit too close and a bit too yeah. interested. But that's how you learn. But like that, just the wonderment and everything I found. Mm. The discovery. Yeah. Wonder, yeah. Wonderment is such a great expression for it, Will. You know, mm. it, there is a wonder. Yeah. And as adults, so you're both you're both older. I'll be the oldest. That's you know. I, I realise there's a tumbleweed moment as everyone wonders all of our ages. Okay, I'm the oldest. However, <laughs> well, I'm the youngest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, doing that puts agency, me in yeah. the middle. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is it? Do we still have that wonder when we are feeling good and confident? I would say yes. I would say that would describe. Good self-esteem is that you have a, that you have you embrace a wonder about the world, about you, about what you're here to do. Hundred percent, I I agree. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. There's a kind of it's it's a smile factor, isn't it? You, there's no weight of it. It doesn't even though we've we've got jobs and we've got um, responsibilities. When you feel. Uh, settled in your body in a settlement you don't actually feel that anxiousness of doing it i i i find that there was a movie that came out a while ago i can't 100 percent remember what it's called but it, this guy goes back and he has the ability to you know relive every day if he so wishes and this that, that same wonderment like high self-esteem and being so happy about himself whenever he had that he could go back on to looking onto a day and just see the day and see absolutely every beauty in it but if he was in a bad mood and he looked back on it that it was it's quite funny because that the they would make the scenes more darker and more wow. interesting and i think that's a perfect reflection on most people's lives because yeah. you can have a fantastic day and be looking up and going wow how did this all happen this is absolutely amazing what 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 brought all this about but then when you're in a bad day you kind of got you know the the headlights on you know the that's mm. just stop you from seeing the bright the bigger picture yeah well it's the negative self-talk that gets in the way you know mm. all day thinking oh i shouldn't have said this or what should i say or that wasn't good enough or i look fat or you know mm. ugly or they're the things that get in the way of the wonderment so let's go back to being a toddler Mm. Like, how many toddlers do we know that kind of look in the mirror going, oh, my goodness, look at my thighs. Like, you know, <laughs> I am bulging out of this nappy. Like, what's with that? <laughs> Mum, why haven't you taken me to baby gym? <laughs> it's ridiculous. I actually had a great conversation with a friend yesterday about it. And there was a video that was done where they interviewed a whole bunch of adults and they asked them the question, what would you change about your body if you could change anything? And the adults like answered, oh, you know, if I could get rid of the wrinkles on my forehead or I'd like to lose lose my love handles or, you know, I'd love a, a you know, a breast reduction and, you know, could like nitpicked at themselves essentially and all the things that they were wrong. And, and then they interviewed kids, so around the ages of five to seven about this. And they asked the kids, like, what would you, what would you change about your body if there was, if there was anything you could? And some of the answers was like, well... I'd have wings so I could fly and <laughs> I'd have legs like a, like a leopard so I could run as fast as a leopard. And, and one of the girls actually said, well, there isn't anything I'd change at all. I'm, I'm really happy with my body. And it was just such a, 
such a cool reflection on the difference between like what happens between, you know, that age, that that gorgeous almost purity of, you know, just being really okay with yourself to then into adulthood and and suddenly there's just so much more self criticism and self attack. Yeah, that's, that's that's fantastic. Like, <laughs> oh, I wish I could say go out and I say I go and say that next time someone asks me what would you change about yourself. Oh yes, I want wings. Yeah. <laughs> we want to reclaim those wings. So I can lie. I wonder if you know the the reason why kids are so like uh, spherical, like they're rounded, mm. they're, they're, they're they see there's so much more to life than their little puny body that they're in. Maybe they know that they've actually they've come from so much magic. That, that they're not really, they're kind of playing here, but they're not, re- you know, like, <laughs> my wings are coming. Dude, they're coming. Can we just bring back childhood imagination? We, we, just, yeah. we lose it at about 14, 15. If yeah. we can just keep that, that would make everyone so much happier. Just like the, the childhood imagination is just, it's unquantifiable. It's just absolutely amazing. Really, every birthday, there should be a superhero birthday party dress-up theme. Oh, because, yes. mm. I mean, hello, then we, would, then we wouldn't go too far away from knowing that we were all superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, we're actually going to go to some music. Um, we After the break, we're going to come back and we're going to actually talk about, you know, a little, again, we're going to delve into where it comes from. What are the things around us? What kind of age do they start coming in? And we'll have some practical examples of where we can start spotting it if we're a parent listening to this where you can maybe support your your child or your young person to look at life um, and understand why things are happening the way they are why maybe the color and the tone might be dulling on their existence you know when they go through puberty all of that after the break you're listening to triple h 100.1 fm and stay in the loop with lucy so shine like the stars people will have no turning your light down on this show welcome back will Good morning. And welcome back, Alison. Hey, Lucy. My two guests in the studio with me today as we talk about self-esteem. We have established that as children and babies, we are very well aware of our amazingness, that there is a, um, a wonderment that comes into our world or that is our world. We don't know any different that if we could change anything, it would probably be to have wings and legs like leopards. (laughs) And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about how that changes as we go through puberty, maybe in this section or the next section. So, um, you know, when do we... When do we stop thinking we're the bee's knees? Do we get reflections from the people around us? Let's start with home. Alison, have you got any... Any experiences of when maybe you started realising that you weren't quite allowed to have that enormous self-esteem or you started changing it in yourself? I think it started probably after about, probably around school time Mm -hmm. where self-esteem stops becoming about the essence of who you are, the simplicity of just being, you know, the joyful, you know, in playful in the wonderment you know child that you are to be having to be good at things Mm -hmm. so I mean I felt that in the home in terms of definitely an expectation when I got into school of having you know to be good at maths good at English 
it's so so suddenly you start identifying yourself with doing rather than just being so I know that that kind of hit home and particularly when I when I went into probably I was six years old when I went into year one and my parents actually made the decision to repeat me and no and it wasn't because I was struggling, you know, with school, but because I was a really actually a very small child. And so they were concerned that, you know, I'd be a bit behind everyone else's development. But at that age, it was, uh, you know, I'd heard people at school talk about kids that re- repeated and were told like, well, if you repeat, repeat a grade, it means that you're stupid. So from a young age, I was convinced that I was stupid. And, you know, all of the kids progressed on, you know, to the grade two without me. And I had just, I felt so ashamed and embarrassed, literally to the point where I didn't tell anyone that I was old for the grade. And the reason why was because I repeated until I was out of high school. Wow. Mm. So that's how early it can come in where you suddenly like identify yourself with those external things. And it wasn't that it came from the teachers or your parents. It came from things you'd picked up from friends, like talking about other people. You mm. took, you just took that on as what it would that it would matter to you as well. Now, how often do we do we do that? I know um, for girls, there's a lot about comparison. A lot of the research talks about um, when we were hunter gatherers. Uh, the brain kind of could sense when someone else was fertile and being fertile meant you needed to find a partner and therefore the moment someone was fertile, the other women would actually feel some competition and in the, back in those days and in the animal kingdom, very often they will just, you know, kill that animal mm. if it's a threat to their survival and their procreation. Right, like human world. Hopefully, we don't quite do that, but we've got to understand that there is something about the comparison that happens without us necessarily knowing it happens, and the the pressure and the threat. And you're as human brains, we're always assessing and and feeling things that we can't necessarily put words to. That, that's Snow White. Snow, um, Snow oh. White, so you know the mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of the yes. wall? And then when it's Snow White, she sends out to go and kill Snow White. That, that is the, yeah. <laughs> exactly what happens in Snow White. It's true. Mm. This, yeah. this, this child, but that not that interesting? That's a child's story. Yeah. We tell children that story is a sweet story, and yet what message did it just send? I, I think the message they tried to bring out to everyone was that, you know, it's it's not all about being the most beautiful or being the smartest. It's about being who you truly are. And and I think that's a very important trait in humans is not to, you know, be be the... Like, I know in males this is about being the strongest, having the biggest muscles or being the most attractive, but it's about being tr- true to yourself. Like, I, I, if I wanted, I could go out and I could make myself the buffest, biggest, hugest most muscular man in the human in the human race but you don't it's not true to myself like I yeah. that's not what I want to do so yeah. it's just it's a facade people put on I think definitely in boys that is exactly the reason they put all this muscle on is so they can hide behind the fact that they are actually not very happy with themselves mm. wow I think that's very insightful mm. it's you know there's definitely a a guard that the muscle brings up, doesn't it? Because it, it, you see some bodies that are toned and muscly 
and then you see some bodies that are playing hard and there is a definite distinction mm. um some some of the hardness behind it there's there's a, an enormous fragility which is is yeah. is dangerous to show in the world uh, certainly in the army you know you you hide that fragility behind the hard exterior mm. but it's interesting just going back to the impact of the fairy tales and the pictures that were sold at mm. such a young age in terms of what it is to be amazing and you know even you know the Mr Prince Charming coming along on his horse and being very strong and stoic and never vulnerable never sensitive never down and 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 equally for the girls with you know being the you know Cinderella or Damn, Snow White and exactly and and how these pictures influence us because mm. we're constantly then comparing ourselves against these you know these pictures that we're sold it's a picture of perfection which mm. is really quite quite worrying um so what do you feel about humor when we talk about you know when kids are growing up one of the things that i really struggled with in my upbringing was sarcasm because um there was a lot of humor in our house and i don't believe that anyone meant it nastily because we all love each other incredibly well but my self-confidence really struggled with the amount of humour that was around that was actually quite belittling because it mocked, it mocked something that I did that I actually didn't think was a problem. And yet someone else clearly thought it was but didn't, didn't know how to say it to me in a way that, that didn't just make light of it. And yet I read so much more into it than actually was probably meant in the first place. I mean, I just took, I took it and ran. I'm in the exact same boat as you. My my family is very much a dish it out and give it back one way. We've always had sarcasm in our family. We're very we're very sarcastic family, I find. Mm. Not not towards others, but internally we're very sarcastic. And so my, my dad is very good at dishing it out. But the thing is he's also very good at taking it. So it was always just like an upbringing, like the, my, my dad would just like, you know, punch like knock me on, just you go, Oh yeah, you know, he even all that like, it's a very typical Australian kind of bloke. Mm. And it's just like, I, I never really got it until I was about to, ooh, I'll probably say, I probably still haven't really gotten it, but it's it's just, I, I thought it was a bit of a term of endearment. So if he was if he was poking fun of you, like, let, let's say that I was a very fat child and he was saying, oh, yeah, you know, he's a bit chubby around the edges. <laughs> I think that was kind of a, a term of endearment of, you know what, uh, you you may be this, but, you know, I still love you for it. Yeah, it doesn't I matter. Care. Yeah, that's that's the way I perceived it at least. So what happens at school? Because we don't. That's not what happens at school. There's some. There's a difference, isn't there? You know, your dad loves you inside out. Mm. So yeah. what happens when you've got? Now you are in a boarding situation. Yes. So you know what it's like, and you may, you know, without naming names, you may be able to talk about experience that you've had. Other people have seen. You know what's happened when there's a humour or there's a banter, and someone actually is quite cut by that. Yeah, uh, 100% that happens a lot, especially in boarding situations. So I've been in every conceivable type of school I was in. So I'm I'm originally from the Mid-North Coast. So I went to a little tiny primary school with like 60 people in my year and then co-educational, then went to the local high school from seven to nine uh, and then came to Barker College and stayed um, boarding 10, 11 and 12. And so I've been in (laughs) very distinct areas of what we would call the education. Mm. So I, I've seen it all and really 
that's in boarding situations in the very least that I, I find that that sarcasm can get taken a bit too far if you know if everyone's dishing it out and taking it back but there's always that one person if we're going to be honest is normally me who you know takes it a little bit too far or to one way or another or gets a bit a little bit too much of it or gives it out a bit too much and I find that really kind of can take them down a bit and make them upset but the way the way I see it is that it's kind of a term of endearment and it's the same that family situation because that family situation I was brought up in was about giving it and taking it back that's I, I find that that's what I do it ref, it's reflective of what I do in boarding which can be taken as a very good thing or a very bad thing but okay so what I hear there is it depends what your normal is yeah so if your normal is that level of humour, as you say, if someone takes it too far, you, you said it's probably you. I doubt it is always you. But the point is you have a higher tolerance for it. Mm. So you might not be quite as aware as someone who's super sensitive to it. Well, how were you with sarcasm and humour when you were growing up, Alison? I mean, I love a bit of good banter and I agree with Will. You can, you know, especially when it's done, you know, endearingly, that it can be a lot of fun. But... I think it really depends on the energy behind it like because you, you can tell when it's done with love or if it's done as a cut down and an, and an attack on you and you know sometimes it can be those those backhanded comments that are kind of passed off as a joke and you just look at someone you go that that, that wasn't a joke yeah, that, that's not actually that. humor that yeah. that's actually just you having a go at me there's two things my parents have said to me since I was like a tiny, tiny kid. There was, if you're going to do it, do it honestly. And, you know, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Mm, so yeah. you, you could go up to someone and be very banterous and say something, take them, take them, mock them, let's say. But or you could say it as an actual frontal attack on someone. It could be taken very, very differently. Mm. Yeah, both of you, awesome. That how It's not what you do, it's how you're doing what you're doing. The energy and the intent behind it. Mm. And uh, sometimes it can be laced with things that either we do know, we, the person who's delivering it either does know or perhaps is unaware of, but the person who equally feels it can, be, can sometimes choose to be aware or unaware of it. But there is something unsettled about, about it. And in a group situation, you can laugh it off because it's not cool to make a big deal out of it, but it, it just chips away at your self-esteem. Mm. And, and even if you do laugh it off at the time, it's still there. It's in the back. It's in the little little dark area in the back of your head that's yeah. still there, and it grows. So the way the way I've always described it is this this thing called sticky thoughts. So you could get this one tiny little pebble of a comment, and you could put it at the top of a hill in the back of your brain. Just go, you know, nothing. Just laugh it off. But then you start to think about it, and it goes down the hill, and it gets more and more snow. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger until eventually you're. That's all it becomes and it freaks you out and you don't know what to do about it and then it collapses and you just in you know, a big mess. I like that sticky pebble. Yeah, sticky sticky thoughts. Pe- sticky, <laughs> sticky thoughts. Yeah, it's good, isn't that's it? That's a great analogy. I, I hated it as a kid, but now as I've gotten older, I've, I've come to fully understand what it's all about. Yeah, right. that's great. Well, well, unfortunately, my sticky thoughts got sticky thoughts because I've got the news desperate to come in uh, we're going to go to the news and we're going to come back we're not going to have too much too many breaks this morning because i can see that the the um the quality of what we're sharing <laughs> is just too good you are listening to triple h 100.1 fm and stay in the loop with lucy welcome back to stay in the loop with lucy on sunday morning 
You are listening to Triple H 100.1 FM. I am in the studio today with Will. Welcome, Will and Alison. Hi, Lucy. And we're talking self-esteem. It was very difficult to let the news and some community service announcements go because we were we could have just carried on talking, but we figured maybe you needed a break. Um, <laughs> we, right. we may like listening to each other, but maybe people don't like listening yeah. to us for extended periods of time. But what's with that? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> All right. So in this uh, section, we're going to be talking about how it affects how we see ourselves. You know, whether having low self-esteem affects what you see through your eyes when you look at a reflection of yourself in the mirror. So I guess it's very much about body image. It is about the sticky thoughts that will introduce, you know, when someone might say um, that that you um, are something about ankles and then all of a sudden you're completely obsessed by your ankles and are they fat ankles? <laughs> you know, as Alison was saying, it might have been said about someone else, but actually you've completely translated it, not wanting to be on the receiving end of that thought and all of a sudden... The ankles are. You've got kangles. I've seen an example of that where uh, well, a friend had a crush on this girl and she said, oh, I just I just love a guy with a six-pack. And so he went out and for six months went out and just oh. went to the gym every single day oh, to get a six-pack. That's hard, you know? He got the know? girl in the end, so it was, it was good. <laughs> but did she go out with him for who he was or because of his body? She liked him from the start. I don't there know what go. he was going on about. There we go. Lack of self-esteem. Lack of self-esteem. So I, I was looking at um, a video that my husband shared with me and it was um, showing the different ways that we view ourselves and that we view being a boy or a girl. So in this particular video, it was about women and girls. And it was talking to over 18-year-olds, probably about over 21-year-olds, about how they saw themselves. They said, okay, we want you to throw like a girl. We want you to run like a girl. And so they would do all of these kind of namby-pamby throws is the only way to describe it. And running with their heels kicking out and their arms up in the air. And it was, you know, there was a picture that they were clearly... And and they they had to change their demeanour to go into that way of moving and 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 uh, throwing. They changed. You could see them visibly shrink, I guess, to be able to act it. And then they did some videos with some under 12s and, you know, run like a girl, throw like a girl. And they, were, they had power. They had strength. They had, you know, the wings and the, and the legs <laughs> of leopards. And, you know, they, they were not holding anything back. And then they went to the, uh, to the older uh, people and said, hey, like, I, we just want to show you what you potentially were like when you were 12 or under 12 and you were asked this question and ask what happened, but, you know, in that time. It, it fascinated me. It saddened me because I thought, wow, what happens in puberty that we um, stop valuing who we are? We stop valuing the essence of what we bring as women and start thinking that it's less and it's it is it's weak it's nabby pamby it's like frail it was just weird um will you saw it as well yes. didn't you yeah I, I really enjoyed it i i no, honestly i cried a little bit it was it was yeah. a very beautiful thing it's, it's it was it was a bit upsetting really that you know had these really like a six-year-old there was a particular six-year-old girl and she just full power sweating by the end of it just like yeah absolutely amazing like she was superwoman and then you have this i think it was a relative of hers it was like 21 or something just mm -hmm. finished college or and just hunched over kind of trying to be as weak as possible and just th like 
just dropped yeah. the ball practically. Yeah. It was quite upsetting, I found. When I was much younger, um, just after school, I started uh, looking at being an actress. And I remember going to so many auditions. And you have to mould yourself into what you think mm. the director is looking for. And you are reshaping your values in front of someone else to get a job. It's horrifying, really. It's, it's, one, of the, it's one of the worst industries for self-esteem is, you know, acting or being... Just modeling. Yeah, modeling. Modeling. Yeah. You want you what do you want? I'll be it. Just give me the job. One of one of my friends is currently going around and I'm uh, trying to get into plays and stuff and she's been told by many, many different people, Oh yes, you need to put on more weight or no, you need to lose more weight or you need to do this to your hair or you need to dye hair this and just it's, it's ridiculous. Mm. They're, they're like, oh, yes, uh, we you need a freckle right here. So can you just like focus yeah. <laughs> some sunlight on that for a second? Yeah. Oh, the, my, my career ended um, voluntarily on my part when I went for an audition for a TV show. I got down to the last two and we had to talk about climbing. It was an army one. We had to talk about climbing up this wall. And I, so I had my back to them and I came away thinking I didn't get that because my bum's so big. Oh, and I, I caught myself and I went, you know what? This is not good for you. You're going to do something completely different. You are not. Uh, that's the last audition you'll ever go to. And that was. I um, told the agent and I actually went and um, I went into production. So I still was involved in that world that I loved. But I went on the other side and supported people and, uh, you know, helped other people not have the concerns that I had. Mm. So how does low self-esteem affect what jobs we do? Well, I think it's interesting what you're pointing out about, you know, industries like, like modelling and acting and even people that are pretty front-facing front in the public, you know, like musicians. And you'd think people in those industries would have high self-esteem. But what I've observed in, in my work as a counsellor, it's like often they actually have the lowest because so much of their self-esteem is based on the superficial superficiality of how you look. So... You know, if you if you think that there's a problem, you know, with, oh, you've got a pimple or you're overweight or, you know, you don't sound good or whatever, that that can actually really, really knock you. And someone, someone said something fantastic to me a couple of years ago that 20 people can tell you you've done an amazing job at something and you feel great, you feel all pumped up and, and it just takes one person to come along and criticise you for your confidence to drop but that your confidence is only dropping to the level that you believe that you're actually at and I think there's you know a a lot of us rely on that feedback from other people Mm. to make us feel good enough so I think it's um in in terms of work you know not to say that you can you know you can't have that as a as a model or an actor but I think you there has to be something deeper in you that knows who you are and trusts that you're enough outside of getting recognition from others. So it's not listening to anyone's opinion, good or bad. You can take guidance and, and you can have mentors and role models and things like that, but actually it's, it's, it's your opinion of yourself and your worth that is more valuable than anything else because if you, if you pay attention to the good, you will pay attention to the bad, whether you admit it or not. Will, how does that, how is that affected? And again, you don't, you, you can talk about you or you can talk about people you know with social media. Oh, so, oh, 
I'm not a big fan of social media. I think I have Facebook and that's it. Mm. It's, I, I've I've never really liked the way that on Facebook that you can put... They used to have a dislike button on Facebook and I thought it was just one of the most horrendous things you could do to someone because mm. they could put up a photo and then you have friends disliking it. Mm. And yes, it may be in jest, mm-hmm. but seriously, whether Why would you mean you? it or not, people are pessimistic. Yeah. They, they're going to say, oh, yes, that like, like our good friend here said, that's we've... You can have seven or eight people say, oh, yes, you did a fantastic job. And then one person say, oh, I thought it was okay. And just you will have that linger. But Sticky thought. Yes, yeah, sticky <laughs> thought. It's such a great expression. It's a sticky thought. <laughs> it's a great analogy. I hate it, but it's a great analogy. <laughs> it's just, oh, I just, I'm not a big fan of social media. Just because the way it puts everyone up to the world and it's like, oh, yes, you can have this photo of... Like, let's say a teenage girl and you have the breasts out and all that and just trying to make themselves look what they deem to be an mm-hmm. attractive. And it's not who they are and it's not it's what they want the world to perceive them as. Yeah, it's mm. very true. It's just, it's horrible. Instagram is um, indicated in the, in the uh, being indicative of the lowest self-esteem. If, you know, one week off Instagram and, um, you know, 75% of girls said their self-esteem went up like exponentially mm. they, they couldn't believe how much it went up yeah so and in instagram is the most popular app for teenagers yeah mm. it's it's understandable because they want they want people to like them mm. and so they want people to say oh yes you're so attractive or oh yes you're so this i, I have friends that update their instagram every single day with mm. photos mm-hmm. of themselves or photos of their friends doing mm-hmm. stuff. And s- some people don't really care. Just like, oh, yeah, this is what I'm doing. Just so you know, I went here, kind of hanging out. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. And then there's some people that are just like, oh, yes, I am so attractive. Please like my photos. Yeah. Just, oh. I asked a room full of girls. They were, um, they were year seven. Maybe they were year eight, actually. I asked them how many of them would take down a photo if they, you know, if they didn't get the number of likes that they wanted. Now, when I asked the same question two years ago, um, there was an awful lot of hands that went up that would take them down. And this time, no one put their hand up. And I said, I, okay, I'm just going to let you know that I don't think you're being very honest because I've never been in a room of 200 people where we haven't had some hands up. So either I need to know what you're all on and share that with other schools or you're afraid to put your hand up because it's not going to look cool Um or you are afraid to put your hand up because you genuinely don't want it to be true, but you know that it might be. There's a person I know that does that. I, I wouldn't say they're a friend. They're more of an acquaintance, but they put up a photo every one or two days, let's say, and you can go on their, their actual page and it'll be like five or six photos because they'll put it up and if they don't get enough likes, they just take it down. Yeah. So just it's quite saddening because they can have a photo and let's say it got 300 likes because so, I know one that she did take down had 300 likes. And she put it up there and she went, oh, I look too fat in that and took it down. Just, wow. It's just, it's ridiculous. Sticky thoughts. I mean, it's poisonous, isn't it? It's mm. poisonous because it skews your sense of reality. Mm. And it it's, completely breeds comparisonitis. Yes. And, you know, like even, you know, I'm in my 30s and I look at the impacts of Facebook and Instagram and because people aren't necessarily sharing what's really going on in their lives because they show you what they want you to see. Yes. And, and then you can go on there... And it's easy to go, oh, God, well, everyone else is getting married, buying houses, having babies. My life is a, a failure. I'm not good enough. 
and yeah, so you can really see how people can uh, can absolutely affect their self esteem. They, they recently did this. There's a there's a very funny show that's on at the moment called Rick and Morty, and so it's it's very popular with my age group. It's very inappropriate, but they have. The underlying issues and stuff they bring up in the, each episode is ridiculous. They had, um, I think it was last episode of the episode before, they had these, um, they went into a psychological cleansing and all their bad parts or what they perceived to be bad parts were t- stripped from them. But in the point, they had this, so they had this, um, the Morty go through his high school after he'd been psychologically cleansed and the big bully, you know, uh, football jock quarterback says, oh, you're so, I hear you're so confident now and you're, You've got everything going on to yourself. Well, uh, I think you're still the same puny person hiding behind this facade of this all you think. And then he just, it's ridiculous because he has silence. And then it just he just says, I've been doing that for years. I'm not alone anymore. It's just that it, it's such a, it's a stereotype, yeah. but it's so true. Mm. Yeah, so it true. is. It is. Rick and Morty on the, on the to watch list in that case. Um, now, what do you think are the behaviours that we take on that, that, that um, maybe hide the low self-esteem. So we've already talked about sports. I would say that that was a really good one, that we build ourselves up with obsessive gym use sometimes or just gym use and supplements to try and either build or, or lessen our body weight or, or muscle tone. What else could we have, we have either of you noticed? I think people can become a lot louder and appearingly more extroverted than they really are. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, being the joke teller and it's quite, it's quite, a, I think a well-known statistic that a lot of comedians are actually suffer from depression. Yeah. Like pretty full on depression and quite high, quite high rates of suicide. So being the really, the outspoken one, the joker, being out there at the front it can be a way of boosting yourself up. Very good, yeah. The, the Rev, Rev Ware, who's at uh, Barker, he has this saying that it's um, there's more to me than that or there's more to him than that. So mm. he used to say like, oh, yes, uh, Will is good at music, but there's more to him than that. So that he's he's trying to get rid of this labelling of, oh, yes, he's the music person or he's the he's the comedian Great. or she's this, she's that, and try to get rid of that. And it's Good on Rev and Ware. It's, it's fantastic, but that's going off what you're saying, just these... Putting labels on people really, yeah. I find, lowers self-esteem more than anything. Because then they're, or in some cases, that low self-esteem from being labeled actually can lead to higher self-esteem because you're giving them this label of, oh, yes, they're good at music. And then they go really, really well in music. Yeah. And that brings up their highest their self-esteem. But once they do badly at that or once they do one bad thing, their low self-esteem just goes just yeah. like a cliff. Yeah. And now you can translate that to being a doctor. I mean, doctors have a very high suicide rate. Yes. You know, but, but and yet you'd think they'd be, they're amazing. They save people's lives. They turn people's lives around. But if you are champion for that and not for who you are and therefore no one actually takes care of you or you're not able to take care of yourself... You, you, the way you live doesn't support the work that you do. So you've got this facade and there's absolute well of something that you would dare not show anyone mm. because people in positions of power and authority cannot be seen to have low self-esteem and we can translate that to accountants, to dentists, to people in the military, to politicians. I mean, it could go on, couldn't mm. it? There was a study that came out in 2013, I think it was, that 
going through self-esteem to high IQ. And so comedians and doctors and all these accountants and stuff that had the highest suicide rates also had some of the highest IQs. Mm. And so because I, I think, I, I'm not 100% sure about this, but I think there must be a correlation between being how smart you are and going, oh, yes, uh, well, if I'm doing this and I do this really, really well, there must be a correlation to if they all of a sudden don't do very well and it makes them look like they're less smart than they perceive themselves to be. That really just plummets. Yeah, well, I think that's a measure of self-esteem is take away success from somebody and see how they feel about themselves. Yes. Mm. Very true. Very true. You know, like, to God, tumbleweed moment. We're getting deep here. We are. <laughs> no, but it's, it's deep into self-esteem. It, that, that's exactly what, what we should life? be talking about. <laughs> Sticky thoughts. <laughs> 42. It's always 42. <laughs> we're going to go to some community service announcements and we're going to have a little bit of music. You're listening to Triple H 100.1 FM and stay in the loop with Lucy. Hello, Will. Good morning. And Alison. Hey, Lucy. Um, thank you both so much for being part of the show today. You've been incredibly helpful. You've given colour to um, to a topic that actually can wobble us, can't it? We were talking about taking compliments or not taking compliments when someone recognises us or doesn't. And, and um, I hope you don't mind, Will, but Will spent at least 30 seconds of the time we were on air, on air apologising to Alison for forgetting her name. It is Alison, I do know this. It was a great part, I promise. I... It My self-esteem a... is very damaged. Oh, I'm so sorry. No. And uh, for the listeners, that is sarcasm at play, uh, knowing that they are very good friends now and they mean that, you know, in the best way possible. Lovingly. No, 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 I, 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 I hate her. She's a horrible human being. <laughs> So okay, let's let's um, one of the one of the things that teenagers often say to me, the young people that I work with often say to me, is they get really hacked off with all the guidance to be able to name your emotions, name your feelings, understand them. But where do you go from there? Like, yeah, yeah, okay, I'm sad. What do I do with that? Or yes, I have low self-esteem. What do I do with that? So. I have vowed in all of my shows and in all of my workshops to actually give the next step. Where do we go? What When we've noticed that we have low self-esteem, when we notice those now termed sticky thoughts and we can, you know, we, we don't realise how can quickly we jump on the self-bashing bus, how do we get off it? For me, it's been about starting to even notice that I have sticky thoughts, as I would I would have called them, be aware of how I speak to myself, um, my use of sarcasm and humour, that I'm, you know, how I'm uh, benchmarking someone else. I'm, I'm actually benchmarking myself there and probably worse. I start looking at how I'm looking after myself, so my self-care. Alison, any top tips from you? What what would you say? I mean, you're, you work with people mm. all the time. And actually, I'm going to give you a quote that I love of Alison's. Nothing devastates me more than people walking this planet not feeling accepted, loved and adored for who they truly are, especially by themselves. We all have something truly magical and unique to offer the world. And my job is to help people appreciate and connect with that. Mm. That's deep. That's nice. <laughs> How cool is that? That's great. I'm, uh, that's going on the. I, I'll put that on our 
on our website, the stand that Straight to the pool room. <laughs> TM. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So how, you clearly work with people with this all the time. Can you give us some of your wise counsel? So I think when it, when it comes to sticky thoughts, as you said, Lucy, the first thing is becoming really aware of it. And because they almost like take this, as you said, um, Will, momentum of their own, like an aval- avalanche. And it's like clocking it and going, really, is that, is that really from, from my heart? Like, would I loving, like, is that a loving way to speak to myself? And when you clock it, the worst thing that you can do is to, is to react to the thought and to take it really seriously. So I like to have a pretty lighthearted approach to it you know, particularly when I notice, you know, self-critical thoughts come in. It's almost like a, you, you sort of take more of an observer role and going, oh, there I, there I am again, you know, giving myself a hard time about, you know, my weight or putting on a couple of kilos or sounding like an idiot. It's like, and just, just having an actually a good laugh with it. But, but also, you know, looking at how you are before that moment, because Often it, it can be in reaction to something that someone has said to you or you've walked into a situation and you haven't felt comfortable or confident. So to really look back at those things and, you know, be be looking at, you know, if there are times when you're actually seeking validation and recognition outside of yourself and just to go, you know what, nobody else can ever make me feel good enough. So, and that's the kind of distracting thing is that we so look for that validation outside of ourselves. And, you know, I say to people, it's like chasing rainbows. You're never going to find it. You know, whether you, you get that job or promotion or the pay rise or the husband or the babies or, you know, top marks in the HSC, nothing outside of you is ever going to make you feel good enough. So, it's like actually just bring it back to yourself and realizing, no, hey, I actually need to take responsibility for how I, how I think and feel about myself and stopping that momentum. So when those thoughts come in, firstly, not reacting, not taking it seriously, but then also going, okay, well, I have a choice to keep playing this record, this broken record over and over again, or I can choose something else. So to start going deeper and, and connecting with who you are on an essence level. So as you were talk as we were talking about earlier, going back to that that young child, those beautiful, like innate qualities in you and connecting with the qualities, not what you do. I wonder if it would be helpful to have a tangible picture of that. So if if we found a picture of ourselves as a baby and we either carried around with ourselves or put it on our mirror in the bathroom. And when we have those thoughts say, would I say that to you? I like it. That's a great idea. Yeah. And if you wouldn't, then how dare you say it to yourself now? Same person, you're in there. You've just grown mm. a little bit. But, you know, just have that. And, and once you've seen the picture and done it a couple of times, I reckon that it would be humbling. I mean, I, I, think, I think when I first had a thought of doing that, I actually was brought to tears by the nastiness that I spoke to myself with and the thoughts I had of myself and it quickly I quickly started picking up and you know having to get off that self-bashing bus um you know it was you have to be playful with yourself you have to go really 
really again <laughs> that old chestnut yeah. that's, that's a great analogy if you wouldn't say it to a baby don't say it to yourself yeah it's a great analogy yeah and and having that picture so it's tangible so you remember who you are you can look into your own eyes and say there is nothing wrong with my little finger you know it may not fit the ring that someone's given me or whatever but you know it there is nothing i mean i'm being absurd about a little finger it could be it can be as petty as that it can though can it's it? ridiculous i see a lot of it you know especially in my practice and it and that, that is one thing that devastates me that i see so many gorgeous people particularly women that are stunningly good looking and they just bash themselves all the time for being ugly and unattractive and i see men where where I work, who are so delicate and so um, warm and caring, and yet they daren't show it because then they might be, uh, you know, called a wuss or or or, or 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 not manly enough or whatever picture they're trying to live up to of this strong man, but underneath is this person who's feeling really cut by what they see, and that that's hard. See, I, I've I've always had the kind of so in ten, when I was ten or twelve was when I probably had a, my lower self esteem. But pretty much since then, I've gone to this. You know what? I probably don't care what other people think of me. I'm happy to be myself. But the, it's not the case. I, I'm very lucky in that regard that I came to that at a relatively young age. So in high school, I had that. I could not care less what you think of me. I'm going to be true to myself. But in other cases, that doesn't kick in until you're like. 30 even. Well, this is why I knew... You're well ahead of your time. Yeah, yeah. You, this is why I knew that you were the right person to bring on this show, My, my parents said I was born two generations too late, so... You're just the right person to have here this morning yep. because when I first met you, I knew that you lived this topic from your body. You, mm. you get on with so many different people and I can see that actually it might have been quite hard growing up and that mm. you were out of your generation, but what you bring, a sense of self-esteem, it's not arrogance, it's not narcissism, it's, it's a confidence that comes from inside that is genuine and it's, I, it's I just take my hat off. It's being content yeah. with yourself. At ease. Yeah. My, yeah. My, my parents have always had this joke that, uh, so I've, I'm very much able to talk to most anyone except people my own age. I'm not very good at talking to people my own age because the, the way I speak and the, what I say quite confuses my generation. Mm. But uh, my parents have always had a joke that whenever we went on holiday that I'd pick up a grandmother. <laughs> so it's, it's just, a, it's, it sounds horrible, but pretty much what I do is that like, we could go to like this, let's just say we went to a local pool or something and I, I could go, and there was lots of people my own age there, but I'd always go and chat to the grandparents and the uh, the yeah. older people and have all these lovely conversations with them. And it was just, it became a running joke really that whenever we went around like, ah, oh, let's have bets to see if we'll pick up a grandmother today. That's probably, fun, probably I love it. it. I love it. And, you know, coming back to what you were saying, Lucy, with so, true self-esteem is actually not putting yourself above people but not putting yourself below people. It's holding yourself as equal to everybody else. And not feeling threatened by that. Mm. And one of the things that I say to everyone who comes in the studio and, and I said to both of you is you, I may be sitting this side of the desk and actually, you know, saying when we go to and from ads, but you are equal to me in this subject. There is no expert in the room. And sometimes when you've got someone who comes in with, you know, uh, um, a, a deeper knowledge of a topic, sometimes that's quite hard for them because I think I think there is, they're so used to either being above or below mm. the other person in the room. 
I say that we're all experts. And that's what I say in the intro to this. We are all experts because we have all lived life. That's right. It's all life experiences. Yeah. There's no PhD in self-esteem. I'm, I pro- they probably, well, probably, they probably <laughs> is. But let's be honest. Yeah, let's be honest. It's a it's, mental self-esteem, not yeah. a lived self-esteem it's necessarily. Like, like you can write a huge thesis on yeah. self-esteem, but that's not going to correlate with no. what someone's... We're lived. all doctors. Yeah. <laughs> in this room. I just, you know, I just... Uh, it's the University of Lucy. The University of Life. We've, oh, we're yes. doctorates. We are, we are graduates of the University of Life. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, let's be honest. We're right at the beginning of it. But um, it, it's an ongoing learning, isn't it? Yeah. Constantly. And, and again, surely that's the wonder of children, of babies, of the magic of where we come from and who we are. That, that when you connect with that wonder, you don't need to have mastered anything. You know that it's a constant learning. And you, there's just no... There's an at ease. There's a content in yourself. Yeah, that, that's that's pretty much what I... There's two things I live by life. My obviously, do unto others as you like done to you. You know, the golden rule. Yes. But uh, is be content. Don't, don't do it... Don't do it to be overly happy or don't do it to be overly sad. Like, you can go... Like, my... My emotions when I was like 10 or 12 used to be like a heart rate monitor that I could be very, very happy and then all of a sudden very, very sad. But it's not about being really happy or being really sad. It's just about being content. That Content is what we should all aim for in life, I think. It's just not to be, you know, so happy like, oh, everything's going fantastically in my life or being in that horrible state of everything's going so horribly in my life. It's just being content with who you are and what you have. So, Alison, let's bring you back in here because mm-hmm. um, in counselling you can see people who have emotions that go up and down and up and down. And that is what we're striving for, isn't it? A more uh, gentle flow of up and down. Mm-hmm. So it is more content. It's not that you don't ever feel anything and you don't have the good and the bad days, but they are. it's actually not even good and bad. It's just things happen. And it's how you deal with those things. So when people talk about resilience, um, that that's that always says to me, like you've got all these things going on, but you teach yourself not to pay attention to them. But it doesn't mean they're not happening. But you actually, it's like you're taking Prozac, uh, you know, in my in my head, because I've just cut off the wavelengths of the of either end. But when you actually work with yourself or work with a practitioner who's used to helping you understand that actually you can live and be engaged in life and committed to life and work incredibly hard without those massive ups and downs just by recognizing why you're having them I hand that over to you. I probably haven't even asked you a question now, have I? <laughs> I think I know where I can go with that, Lucy. Go for it. But yeah, I love I love what you shared, Dr. Dr. Will. Yeah. About oh. <laughs> about the ease and contentment. And that steadiness really comes when you don't look for things outside you to make you feel good enough about yourself. So when you get your self-esteem from your yourself, essentially, yeah. then you're not playing that, that roller coaster ride. So say, for example, you're in a relationship and your partner breaks up with you or has an affair or you lose your job. It doesn't devastate you because you know it doesn't change who you are. And that's the constant steadiness that you have that you bring into all of life situations that you that you know who you are, you know what you bring and you back yourself in life. So from that self-esteem, it, it just gives you that foundation so that you're able to essentially back yourself in life 
and that, you know, you don't give your power away, you speak up when things aren't right, you don't allow abuse, you know, and you're much more of your authentic self. So therefore you just don't get thrown around by things that you probably previously would have been Mm. that would have knocked you out. So we're we're kind to the end of the show. So unfortunately we have to have to wrap it up into a ball. If you could talk to your, if you're looking at your baby picture, oh well, yes. <laughs> what would you say to yourself, Will, with all the wisdom that you now have as a doctor? Oh, I'm a doctor now, Doctor oh, Will. Oh, oh cool. Uh, <laughs> I'd probably say just do the things you love for the people you love, and don't, don't look back on what other people say. They can have their opinions, but that's their opinions, and everyone's entitled to them. So just do what you love for the people you love, and be content. Lovely. That's probably what I'd say. What about you, Alison? I would say be yourself. Don't live life trying to please others and to fit in because there's always going to be people that don't like you and always going to be people that react. But if you really learn to love yourself, then it doesn't matter. And that being yourself is actually the greatest freedom that you can have in life. Being yourself is the greatest freedom. Totally agree. And we have to go back, consider those stars, look at those stars. What if, what if we were those stars? What if we turned our lights down when we considered what someone else thought to us? Dr. Will is saying, you know, shine bright. Don't worry about what your closest stars are saying to you. Alison is saying, same, Dr. Alison's gone. You know, love who you are, be who you are. It's the greatest freedom that we can have. Thank you both very much for being part of today. Thanks for Thank you, us. Lucy. We've had a lot of fun. It, it's been great. It's been cracker. And you will be back. <laughs> oh, I think so. I, definitely. I think we're this quite is, the trio. Is... So let's come back to choosing to be the change we want to see in our world as well as the wider world. Remember, we have a ripple effect with everything that we choose. Regardless of what's happening to you in your life, you always will be and you always were and you always are amazing. The key is to reconnect to that space and learn to build a relationship with your body so that you can recognize what your body is trying to tell you. If it's trying to tell you that something's not quite right and then obviously seek support with the appropriate support service, be that mental or physical health. Look for support in the community. We have an amazing community around here and I'm sure you do wherever you're listening to this podcast. It is there. The podcast for today's show will be available through the Stay in the Loop with Lucy website and on SoundCloud. And if you want to get updates, then please remember to like the at Stay in the Loop with Lucy Facebook page because that's where I'll tell you it's ready. And links to all of those spaces are available through the Triple H homepage. In next week's show, we are going to look at how to talk about suicide and how to support those left behind. Till next week's show, remember to take a moment to look after you, to connect with the amazing people in the community. Be kind, be caring, be loved, be all of you. You've been listening to Stay in the Loop with Lucy on Triple H 100.1 FM.